Welcome to the 61st episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. And I'm Jack Neely. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about the recent news, the merger of IBM and Red Hat, and kind of mergers and acquisitions in general in the tech sphere. So if you've been living under a rock and you have not heard the news, IBM announced shortly before Halloween that they're intending to purchase all of Red Hat's outstanding shares for about $190 a share. This would make Red Hat a wholly owned subsidiary of IBM. They'd be part of the cloud computing divisions. And the purchase price is $34 billion. And there's been lots of knee-jerking ever since. Yes. The internet kind of caught fire that Sunday afternoon when it happened, and we opted not to do a quick take on this. We figured that it would be probably better to let things cool off a little bit and get some perspective and kind of frame this in a larger in a larger sense. There, there have, been, have been nine letters I have seen repeated over and over again throughout the entire internet. OMG, WTF, BBQ. I think the easiest thing... That, in the knee-jerk reactions, the easiest thing that people go to is they look at the Oracle acquisition of Sun Microsystems in 2009. Sun was not doing terribly well at the time. They were doing some pretty awesome tech things. They were doing ZFS and DTrace and a bunch of other fun things. But financially, they were kind of spiraling. And Oracle swung in to purchase them for $7.4 billion, which seemed reasonably cheap. Um, Sun had a fair amount of debt on their books when it happened. And initially, it looked like Oracle was buying them mostly because a lot of Oracle's large enterprise customers or education customers ran Oracle databases on Solaris on Spark. And, and it looks to ma- like Oracle wanted to build you know, the full stack from the ground up and have that under their umbrella. Yeah, and they wanted to keep all, the, all those contracts going, all of those. You're running Oracle databases on Spark hardware. It's a huge cash cow for Oracle. It's a lot of money coming in. And we'll we'll provide the engineering support and resources for that. But fairly quickly, it it took on a more sinister turn. Oracle closed off all of the fun things that were happening in OpenSolaris. They, they closed the open source gate there. And yeah, they closed OpenSolaris. Long because, live Lumos. And then they filed suit against Google for copyright infringement for Java because Sun also owned Java. And that is still winding its way through the courts. Unfortunately, Oracle has a stronger case than a lot of folks in the tech community want to believe they do. But this is all in the lawyers and the court's hands at this point. There's nothing we can really do to pontificate about it further. But And if you've been upgrading to Java 8, is it? Um, you'll notice that that's no longer free to use for, you know random everything you do, that there are license fees required. Yeah, I have a number of friends who work at Red Hat currently, and while they were apprehensive about the IBM purchase, their comment was, if Oracle was to buy Red Hat, that's just, I quit tomorrow morning. Like, we're just done. There's no there's no conversation because Oracle fundamentally doesn't understand open source. And that's, a, that's such a core to what Red Hat does that they're like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do that. It's people need to to keep in mind that IBM has been a proponent of open source for twenty years. They were one of the first major tech companies to kind of get behind the idea that Linux was not a virus or a cancer, as Microsoft called it. They were not. The Linux isn't the devil, and do both. Yeah, Microsoft thought Linux was the devil and was fighting hard against it. 
IBM very early realized, you know, with with the operating systems that IBM had under the belt, hello aches, that IB, that Linux was going to be what's carried IBM forward. So they realized that at a young age. Well, young age is, I guess, for Linux is concerned. But yeah, IBM has been a friend to open source for a very, very long time. They have... They have still really focused on the enterprise side of the house. And I think the enterprise side of the house has always been a little less trusty of all those new age hipsters and their open sourcey stuff that's full of bugs and upgrades and uh. So I think that that IBM has very much shown a a enterprise face, um yet supported a lot of open source technology under the covers. Go look at the uh, copyrights in the Linux kernel if you think we're joking. There's a lot of drivers, a lot of kernel work. Copyright IBM. So a lot of this comes down to the corporate culture of IBM and the corporate culture of Red Hat. And are they going to mesh? And there's other spectacular mergers that have happened that they have not gone so well, like the AOL Time Warner merger in 2000. That was (laughs) a ridiculously large merger. And AOL was the the first part of the name on that because they were acquiring Time Warner. And within two years, they had lost $200 billion of stock valuation. It was, which is more than they paid. Yeah. It was, it was amazingly short-sighted, wrongheaded, and it fell apart quickly and badly because the corporate cultures didn't sync up at all. There was, you have basically the, the internet service provider folks and a old school media division trying to work together Right when cable modems well. became well, right right when cable modems became a popular way to get high speed internet access, and suddenly you didn't need AOL's dial up anymore. It was it's an incredibly bad uh, transaction. Um, other bad ones like the Microsoft Nokia trans um, when Microsoft purchased Nokia in 2013 for seven billion dollars, and then wrote off most of the assets within a couple of years. That was <laughs> that was not fun for anybody. It did I finally a lot of folks that used to work for Nokia. But it, it did finally get Microsoft out of the Balmer era. So I mean it did some good in that in that sense that it finally got the board to say we need to get back to what Microsoft's good at and not having and not letting a salesperson just run the show for so long. So one of the things I really want to focus in is how IBM is is definitely not the the worst company that could have souped in and purchased Red Hat. IBM is desperately still trying to to remain valid as a you know primary um, principal cloud two point oh whizbang um, company uh, to compete with the likes of Google and Amazon. The purchase price that IBM shoveled out for Red Hat at $190 a share when Red Hat stock was trading below 120 a share. Um, at this point, at our recording, uh, Red Hat stock is now up to uh, 170 uh, and change, which matches about their 52-week high back in June and July, back this summer. So clearly the news to uh, purchase for 190 in cash is definitely going to send that stock price higher but ibm gave red hat a 
a proposition that Red Hat could not turn down. That's a lot of cash. Well, it's it's also... IBM has something to offer Red Hat that Red Hat has been working on for years and is probably still five years away from, which is convenient access to C-level executives across the board and access to very large government, very large military, very large enterprise contracts. So if you're doing weather forecasting, if you're doing other large-scale enterprise deployments of things, IBM has been in that space playing ball with those contracts and those service agreements forever. And Red Hat's been working on it, but they don't have the same reach that IBM does. So this is going to give Red Hat's sales division an incredible win in terms of access to basically being able to have a a seat at the table to even begin negotiation. So this is going to be really good for them in that sense, assuming the merger goes through, of course. Assuming, of course. The one thing that that is definitely on the scarier side is IBM has of late has definitely not had the best of financial luck. And when they're under financial stress, they usually start laying people off. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that could happen to the folks at Red Hat with the, with the talk that has come from both IBM and Red Hat um, with other news that I've seen on the internet um, thanks, Mad Dog. You have a great blog post out there that's going to be in our show notes. I don't think that's going to happen. I believe that Red Hat will continue to be the Red Hat we know um, with a very small blue logo underneath it. And I think that Red Hat will see, as as Brendan, you were just talking about, a lot of upsides from from the possibilities here. Sorry, I'm pulling up the IBM revenue for 2017 yearly. Okay, so it looks like IBM's sales and revenue in calendar year 2017 was $79.14 billion. So IBM has just spent roughly half of their yearly sales and revenue number on stock. So this is not their gross income. This is just their this is revenue. Um, their income after cost of goods sold and all the other things you have to you have to put into these things. It's more like thirty five billion. So it's it's really close to IBM's annual run rate. Which is fairly impressive that they're putting this much they're they're basically staking a lot of the future of IBM on this purchase of Red Hat. And they're not going to do this and then start laying people off very quickly because why would you yeah, spend I don't think that's the plan, yeah. You don't spend this much money to do that. But you also don't spend this much money to not make a lot of money. So we can armchair quarterback this forever, and a lot of people will be doing that for the next year or so while the deal winds its way through regulatory bodies and approvals and everything else that has to happen before it actually closes. But I think this is not the worst thing. I was When the news first broke, I was very worried that this is going to be one of those terrible mergers that we hear about, and this was basically the death of Red Hat. And I have a soft spot in my heart for Red Hat. I, I've done a lot of work inside the Red Hat OS over the years. I have a, a fondness for RPMs and other things. I cut my teeth there on that technology stack. I know so many people that are present and former employees of Red Hat. Um, I So much of the history of Red Hat 
with the the former jobs that I had, the university that I went to, um, that had a, a very large uh, bit of history involving that company as it started up. Um, so, yeah, Red Hat ha- is, is definitely has a soft spot in my heart. I don't use it a lot as much as I used to anymore, and there are specific reasons, but the death of Red Hat would be would leave us in a very awkward and unbalanced place. But I do not believe that's going to happen. I, in fact, believe that that IBM is going to give Red Hat the backing they need. They're, Jim Whitehurst is still the, the, the chair of Red Hat. And I think that Red Hat's about to be a much more major player than they used to before. And Red Hat's not doing bad by themselves. Their revenue was a billion dollars a year. I think it was at two billion dollars a year actually. They they've been doing very well for themselves. They've in been terms doing of, really well of growth. And I think their stock price tanking this summer was because they were starting to hit the limits of that they they had stopped growing quite as quickly and folks were getting kind of upset that they weren't you know, the Wall Street never likes it when you don't put post double digit percentage growth numbers every quarter. But yeah, yeah they're I, Financials took a little bit of a news dive, so so did their stock. But I don't think this is the end of Red Hat at all. Um, there's a lot what of. What I would be really super concerned about is this acquisition starting other acquisitions, like large companies trying to buy Canonical, you know, a Microsoft or a Google. Um, that that is something that I I see as. As one of IBM's competitors thinking, okay, well, how can we compete with the strategic position that IBM now has? And And I think that would be a little bit more scarier. And Microsoft has shown no hesitation in the past of making very large acquisitions. They bought LinkedIn. They bought Skype. They bought... Microsoft has really put themselves in a really powerful position with the assets that they have purchased over the last couple years. Some didn't work as well as others. But I but Microsoft has made a really a really top notch company, frankly. And they're, they're not the Microsoft that that Brendan and I grew up with. No, and they've been they've been building goodwill with the community. They've been actually reaching out to people and trying to make things better. They picked you up. You know, Ubuntu actually runs on on Windows nowadays. Seamlessly. Yeah. I have some friends who who are Java developers, and they are they're considering switching back to Windows as their primary platform. Because really what they need is a Linux development environment. And having Windows with the Ubuntu stuff running inside of it, you get a bash shell. And they can go back to their comfort of using Windows while still getting... And it's a whole lot cheaper than a Mac. Oh my, yes. So Microsoft's making some interesting moves. Um, I had really thought that Red Hat was unacquirable in terms of size when the news broke. It's like, hang on, who's... Who could possibly buy a company the size of Red Hat? IBM. And it's, yeah, okay. IBM could do it. Apple could do it. Google could do it. Facebook paid some astronomical figure for WhatsApp a number of years ago before valuation fell apart because they, they bought it mostly in stock. And then Facebook's stock took off. Yeah, there, there's only a handful of companies left that were big enough to buy Red Hat. And, well, it's happened. So we're going to have to sit back and watch this one. I really don't think it's going to, I don't think this is going to be as bad as the Oracle Sun transition. There is going to be a transition though. Things will be shifting around and people get their feelings hurt on the internet because that happens a lot, unfortunately. It's the internet. But I'm, I'm optimistic. 
I'm going to be cautious about this just because IBM is a massive company. And for me, the real risk is watching the, the cultures merge. But Red Hat's staying in their Raleigh office. They're keeping HR. They're keeping all the other pieces, as far as I can tell, in place. So Red Hat was going to, is going to continue on as they have for most of their life. But I bet we'll see some interesting um, cloud and hybrid cloud products uh, come out of IBM powered by Red Hat or vice versa. And honestly, as a lot of the a lot of the money making positions at this point seem to be, well, we got to get you on Kubernetes. How do we get your on premises data center moved over to Kubernetes so that we can get you moved over into the IBM cloud or the Google cloud, etc. So if you have any thoughts about the Red Hat IBM merger or you have other comments or questions for us, please give us some feedback. Leave us a comment on our website at operations.fm. Send us your thoughts on email, feedback at operations.fm. Or use at, operation, at operations.fm on Twitter. And please take the time to rate the show in Overcast, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast directory. It really is the best way for new listeners to find us. That wraps it up for the 61st episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. Thanks. Good night. OpenStack.